0: Hey guys, this is Corey Parker, Supercoach God, and you are listening to the Supercoach Champions
1: podcast. Welcome back to the Supercoach Champions. You're here again with Catfish. It is our second episode for this week. We are looking at round six. I'm joined again by the defending champ. He's uh, putting in a double shift this week, and we're going to chat plenty, plenty of strategy. Uh, looking at number crunching, captaincy. Yeah, it's all happening. Matt, thanks for jumping on again.
0: All good, mate. All good. Excited to be here. Round six is... Uh flown around. I feel like our, our five or six weeks we talked in the preseason took forever, and uh, yeah, now we're already at round six, so I guess we've got to make sure we make the most of each week of Supercoach, because it'll be gone before we know it.
1: It's definitely moving a lot faster than you'd expect, but remember, we do have an extra two rounds this year, so we'll be a li- here a little bit longer than we'd expect. Even overnight, we've had some developments, so a couple more injury updates have dropped, but Toby Rudolph from the Sharks, he's obviously one of their less heralded props but he has been quite good for them he's out for it looks like 12 weeks potentially he's had to have surgery on his big toe so that's a pretty big blow for them uh, obviously not an issue this week but it's something to think about because with the sharks on the bye, you know Delta gonna be out for three weeks there's obviously a you know a sizable gap minutes wise available here you know you'd think cam McInnes is probably the biggest name that comes to mind but there might be some others like you know, Royce hunts or Oregon Kafusi, and yeah so just something to you know we're not going to act on it this week but look ahead you know next week the week after there's some opportunities here so yeah I thought I'd throw that out there I mean who comes to your mind straight away is it McInnes like it was for me
0: it was and it was bit very similar last year I think when Panukin got suspended for three or four weeks I know McInnes was the first person I brought in Although if there was an NRL team that could cope with losing two of their, their first string middles, it's probably the Sharks. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to throw up any great super coach play.
1: I think you're you're on the money there. But, you know, McInnes, is, he's not played that many minutes in recent uh, weeks, so it might actually be you know, a bigger impact than we'd expect. But anyway, uh, let's jump straight to our first segment here.
0: Numbers like I do, they call me the king of the spreadsheets. Got them all printed
1: out on my bed sheets. The... Alright, so thanks again to our good friend Carl McGrath Accountant. He is here to sponsor crunching the numbers. If you do want to make sure you're not fudging your numbers when it comes to your taxes, make sure you get Carl to help you out. I am focusing on a player this week, a very specific player, a player that's very dear to my heart so far this season. It is Reese Walsh, the Bronco's fullback. I mean, what a start to his career as a Bronco for Supercoach. He's played four games now, missed round one, averaging 95.8 points per game, sitting at a cool 720600 He's increased in price by a shade under 166000 It burns me that I actually, you know, being a Broncos fan, I was like, I don't want to be swayed by how much I'm excited for him as a Broncos fan. And it's totally backfired on me. I mean, it helps that I have Latrell Mitchell and I'm obviously a big Luttrell fan for Supercoach. So that was probably part of my decision-making process. But yeah, it's kind of weird that for once I, I tried to let my broker's homerism not influence my decisions and it's backfired big time. Now you jumped on straight away pretty much, didn't you? Yeah, I
0: think I actually went the week early on him and tried to um, anti-pod turbo that week. And I remember at halftime messaging you and Joe and, Walsh well, she was like two <laughs> and thinking I was going to have to end Supercoach for the year. But, um, yeah, it's definitely – it's been good for Supercoach. It's been good to watch. Yeah, not a Broncos fan, but uh, it does give you a reason to truly tune into their games. The kid is amazing.
1: He's been absolutely on fire. And, look, 37% of Supercoach currently have him in their teams, which I was actually surprised when I first looked at this. I, I just didn't think he'd be that popular. But fair enough. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper, though, because, yeah, that average is, is obviously amazing. But, you know, we've talked about in the past, you know, I gave him the Scott Drinkwater comparison a little bit earlier. And the reason for that is obviously he's very attacking stat dependent. You, you talked about a couple of weeks back, you know, on pretty much zero at halftime. Maybe that was partially due to dodgy live scoring, but he wasn't as involved as you'd, as you'd have hoped. So breaking the numbers down, you know, from his 95.8 points per game, 33.75 of that in, in his four games so far comes from his base and base attack numbers. So that's your hit-ups, that's your tackles, missed tackles, and your tackle-bust offloads, things like that. So that number is not great. I mean, from a super coach standpoint for, you know, your elite fullbacks, for context, I mean, Teddy's often around the 50 mark. Turbo can vary, uh, but, you know, it, when when he went absolutely massive, he was averaging about 50 in base-and-base base attack stats as well. A lot of it comes from his tackle-busting, but... Yeah, generally the elite guys are going to hit that at least 45, 50 mark because that's, you know, basically the equivalent of a try per game more than what uh, Reese Walsh is doing. So, you know, just for him to keep up, he needs to score an extra try per game.
0: To be fair, to be fair with it, it actually looks like he might have less than 35 when you watch it, right? He very rarely gets tackled when he runs. Like, yeah, 35 is probably a bigger number than it looks like, right?
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean... Technically, I did say 33.75. Let's call it 34. <laughs> hey, this is a numbers section. We've got to be accurate, right? <laughs> but look, you're right. It's probably higher than you'd expect. And that's a lot of it does come from his tackle busting. So, I mean, he's had four, three, two, and then seven the last game. Obviously, a big one there. But look, breaking it down a little bit further, I mean, he's averaging 65.25 points per game in attacking stats. That's massive. And, you know, three tries. He's got seven try assists. He's got three line breaks, but the big one here, 11 line break assists, that's quite... We've had four games, right? So he's almost three game. So that's uh, quite impressive for anyone to keep up, basically for the season. So the question for me is, well, yes, he can probably keep this up for at least the short term, but across the season, I I think it's fair to say no one's expecting him to maintain a 90-plus average, right? Not with that type of work rate. And inevitably, you know, Origin's going to hit the Broncos. You'd think being top of the table or top four or whatever by then, they're going to have a higher representation potentially than the last couple of years. You'd think at the very least, Paddy Carrigan will be out. Payne Haas will be out. You know, even Flegler is an incumbent. Reese Walsh seems to be earmarked for the number one jersey as well. Cobos, an incumbent winger. Stags probably might not come into play for the Blues given how how gunned their team is but you know a couple of injuries and he might be in there as well so there's definitely a world where the the Broncos are quite depleted and obviously Reese will be missing himself so I kind of think you know you obviously ride this as long as you can he's got the Raiders this week Titans next week then there's a little bit of a tougher stretch where he's the Eels the Rabbitohs the Seagulls the Storm and then the Panthers leading up into the round 13 bye but yeah I mean do you see yourself actually jumping off him anytime soon
0: yeah, I'm pretty confident after the Titans is is where my Reese Walsh experiment ends, and I'm definitely not going to be disappointed. So, I think he's yeah, it's pretty much a straight swap to Latrell. All things going equal after after the Titans game in terms down of price, grade.
1: yeah, downgrade. It
0: could <laughs> well be right. Um, so, I think that Ill and all in all, Reese Walsh owners probably don't get too uh, romantic about it and and see that he's. he's Absolutely killed it for the last five weeks. If your gut tells you now's the time to pass up, I think make that call and just say it was a good, good
1: five-week play. Well, it's been a fantastic one so far, and like you said, two, two more rounds where you'd back the the Broncos to be fairly dominant. Although the the Titans game is always a bit hit and miss. Like sometimes it just turns into a bit of a dogfight. But the way the 2023 Titans are, if anything, it'll be a shootout. Rather than you know getting to the the grind type matchup there, so I think you got two more weeks where you you'd be pretty confident uh, Reese Walsh is going to smash it, but then afterwards it does get a little bit dicey, and yeah they do the Broncos do enter into a bit of a tougher run, but yeah I thought look diving into it is always helpful, and as you know you've revealed that he's probably actually hitting a higher base than you expect based on what you're watching on the field but it's certainly not sustainable to be, you know, one of the elite kind of fullbacks if you're not goal kicking on top of it or something like that, like Luttrell does. But yeah, we thank Carl again, you know, get in touch with him. Tax time's not quite here, but it's not too far away. Carl can help you out with your tax return and legally maximize your refund, whether it's just a basic one or you're accounting for things like rental properties, capital gains on share trading, even crypto trading. Carl can help you out and record everything correctly He's, uh, you know, spoken many times. It's not just tax returns. He can help with other aspects of accounting too, like bass lodgements and data entry and whatever. Yeah, so there is no job too big or too small. So definitely get in touch with Carl. He can help you out. And he always reminds us he's doing a special price for Supercoach Champions podcast listeners, 99 bucks for a basic tax return. Even if you don't have a basic one, he'll promise to look after you in price and yeah, probably chew your ear off a little bit about Supercoach as well while you're at it. So yeah, thanks, Carl, for sponsoring the segment. All right, let's jump over to captaincy. Good morning, Captain. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain speaking. Aye, aye, Captain. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. He's heavy. All right, so as we always do each week, we're going to dive into who we think probably the best vice-captaincy and captaincy options and throw out a couple of left-field risky ones there as always. We'll jumping straight into it, we kind of touched on this previously, but the storm and the, the the Roosters is obviously the early Thursday night game. Then you've got the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs for the Good Friday game, afternoon game, and then the Cowboys and Dolphins the Friday night one. So most likely your vice captaincy is coming from one of these couple of games. There, I mean, the first name that comes to mind is you can monster types, uh, maybe a Joey Mano if you're getting frisky with the uh, pod play there, but. I don't know, like, I mean, we often throw Harry Grant's name in there. He does have a ceiling of 138. I think that's his career best score. But on average, he's not really going to, you know, go too far over that 110, 120 mark, which in this day and age for a super coach, I, I don't see many people wanting to loop that, right?
0: No, no. The, the VC, I think, like, I, I know a few people looped Cleary's 124 last week and they probably felt good at the time. But um, watching Turbo and, and Hines sort of, Get to hundred with quite ease. It was probably nerve wracking. Um, so one twenty four has got to be the very low limit of a loop, I think. And unless you've only got seventeen players and you've got no AE, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, if you get a free loop and there's only a couple of options where you're going to get your auto emergency from, then that might give you a little bit more certainty to loop something lower. But yeah, generally speaking, you want a higher ceiling. So for me, that t- tends to rule out our Harry Grant type there. I mean, I've already spoken about Latrell Mitchell being my vice-captaincy for this week. I'm backing him to, yeah, really lift, obviously, in his 150th and against a a meme on on Twitter. I mean, it's not the Bulldogs this week, it's the replacements. If you remember that movie with uh, Gene Hackman, Connor Reeves, it's almost a bit like that, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it could be worse than that, right? (laughs) It could be worse than that. Look, you've already spoken about Val, Being Val Holmes being your captaincy or at least a vice captaincy, he's playing the third game of the week and you know against a bit of a depleted Dolphins outfit. You know, running out their third or fourth choice halves already. Uh, Look, I I like that shout. You're obviously backing the Cowboys with Drinky back to to really get back on track. Any other names from the first three games that you want to throw out there for a a bit of a VC option?
0: I think I like the. uh, I don't like the first game for the VC. I think the Storm and the Roosters are probably rolling out their two strongest or, or almost strongest teams for the first six rounds. So I don't see a high scoring shootout there. But um, yeah, where you, you mentioned the trail, anyone who's still a trell owner and, and Mr. Reese Walsh bus, I think this is the right time to try and make up some ground there. Like he's got to be a, a solid BC. But I see some people going early, well, not going early, they're just bringing in Cody Walker this week. Um, if you are that way inclined, I think a Cody Walker vice captain isn't isn't out of the realms. Like he he's shown a high ceiling before. I know scoring was probably slightly different, but at one point in time he did he did uh, command the largest super coach score. So
1: yeah, you're very very good shout there. I can certainly get around it too. He's obviously been better basically, and as the draw eases up, Cody Walker definitely is a good shout there. I mean to throw back onto Luttrell just for a moment. I mean, only 10% of teams right now. So that ownership has just plummeted for good reason, obviously. And the last start against the Bulldogs actually was 136 for Luttrell. So sign me up. I'm all locked in there. And uh, jumping over the captaincy. So look, I wouldn't hate it if anyone wanted to just straight up, you know, Captain Luttrell, Captain Val Holmes. Nathan Cleary is probably my captain at this stage. He's got the armband for me. You know the Seagulls have been better, but we just saw them leaked thirty-two points to a ragtag Knights outfit, missing their best attacking player. So yeah, I'm not sure the Seagulls are going to be the dominant defensive force. We we thought they might have been early in the season, and playing at the Panthers' home ground, you know, Cleary's obviously really warmed into the season now, and yeah, he's a I think he's a very safe option. You know, we talked about him, Reese Walsh, Suncorp Stadium Raiders. Yeah. Is he in contention for you as well?
0: No, he, he's not. I think like, yeah, 95 average on paper looks fantastic, but he is so scary and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not willing to, to... I'll take my 100 points if, if they're not without an armband, but I'm not going to take my, my 25 with an armband on him. So I think I'm steering away from, from Reese Walsh. I know there's another one out there, that we'll pro- you'll probably get to it shortly, but for feeder on the, the left edge of the Titans... He might be asked to do a little more this week without Kieran four in there. So if off the bye, Big Dave isn't the world's worst shout for a captaincy either. He's shown he's got a decent work rate, so his floor is probably 60. Throw a try in there with a line break and and 10 tackle busts like Dave always does, and you've got your 100 quite comfortably.
1: Yep, I think that's a decent shout. Like you say, coming off the bye is always a good one. And the players so far, they seem like... I don't know, they just obviously look a little bit fresher, so they rip in a bit more, so that's always good for someone like a Fafita. Look, if we're talking Captain Risky, you know, one of the guys who's very popular this week as a trade-in, Greg Marju, I mean, does it get too much riskier than that? <laughs> I think throwing him straight in there, it's not a not a bad shout against the Warriors who, I mean, they've been good, but Greg Marju, I mean, he's banging out 60, 70 points just for base, and he gets lucky with one or two tries and he's hitting 120 plus. So I wouldn't hate that as a, you know, if you really want to get a bit frisky there. Yeah, it looks exciting. That
0: looks exciting, right?
1: The final one I might just throw in the mix there, Dylan Brown, I think against the the Tigers. It is the last game of the round, which is always a little bit scary waiting till then. But yeah, I just think, you know, if there's going to be a week that Dillbags goes pretty big, it's always good against the Tigers. So I don't hate that one as a bit of uh uh, more, more of a left field pick there that probably isn't going to be too popular.
0: No, he gets his partner in crime in, in Sean Lane back as well. So, yeah, it's probably probably not as as silly as it sounds.
1: I didn't think it sounded that silly in the first place, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. all good. I think that we've covered that one in detail. Let's take a quick break here.
0: Calling all men, it's time to mine your manholes with Manscaped. Everyone's aware by now that those nose hairs are a major turnoff. That's why Manscaped upgraded to their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. With improved blades and motor, you can feel the power of nasty nose hair annihilation in the palm of your hands. This improved Weed Whacker can now be found in their Performance Package 4.0 for no additional cost. Save money and attack your nose and ear hairs by going to manscaped.com and using the code CHAMPIONS to get 20% off plus free shipping. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear trimmer uses a powerful 700 RPM motor with an improved steel blade system that upgrades the cutting performance from their first generation to better whack your weeds. Plus this nose and ear trimmer comes with skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks, snags and tugs. The Weed Whacker 2.0 is cordless, rechargeable and has a battery with up to 45 minutes of runtime. Also the Weed Whacker 2.0 will be in all Manscaped tool sets including the Platinum Package 4.0, and the Performance Package 2.0. So no matter what kit you pick, you will receive the new Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear trimmer. Save 20% off and free shipping with the code champions at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code champions at manscaped.com. From below to up top, get the best in grooming at Manscaped Shop.
1: So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. All right, here we are, round six. We are down five rounds of the season already. So that used to be 20% of the season. It's not quite. Slightly below 20% of the season. But, I mean, we're almost a fifth of the way through. So at this stage, I guess um, I like to take stock and kind of see, well, where are we at at the moment? How's our teams looking? How are we ranked? And, And, you know, what does that usually mean for us? So, for example, like me, my team's, I mean, after the, the whack job I did on it last week and, and the, the general struggles I'm having, my team's not in great shape. It's not horrible. I think it's it's more actually built long term. Like I was looking at it. I actually have, you know, a lot of players for around 13 accidentally <laughs> already. So, you know, I actually have 10 of the 13 I'll need. And, you know, maybe, maybe eight of them are, are mostly guys I'd be, you know, happy to hold for the season, you know, like guys like Joey Tarpane, Tohu Harris, those type of level of players, you know, Ruben Garrick. Like, so I'm not in too bad of a shape long-term, but I am struggling because I'm ranked around the 22,000. So for me, I I think I need to push hard to catch up. So I don't can't really ease off on the trading, but I think things are a little bit different for yourself. You know, you're sitting around, what, just five 6,000 in the rankings. How are you feeling about your team at the moment? yeah
0: just jumped inside 6k over over the last week i'm i'm reasonably happy i know it's always a bad idea to look back on last year but round five was my big round last year and i jumped up to 82nd after round five so have got to throw that out of the memory bank for now i guess and it's a similar for you i'm ruining some probably somewhat silly decisions in the, in the last couple of weeks but yeah all in all I've, i think i've got what i need um I've burnt through some trades. Um, yeah, probably only gonna have thirty four left after this round. But happy with, really happy with my centre wings. To be honest, I've got the the two people I want in at halfback. So yeah, we'll we'll see how the next couple of weeks go.
1: Yeah, I think that's where just taking stock can sometimes you know give you a little bit more of a longer term look on, you know, what's going to happen for the next five rounds or whatever. So, like I was saying, you know, yes, I don't have some of the key players. You know, obviously, I don't have Reese Walsh. I don't have Jacob Caraz. I've missed that one. Nico Hines coming in sooner rather than later. But, you know, there are some key names here that I currently don't have. Like, I don't have Payne right? And he's obviously blitzing it. So that's one of the issues with that. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm working out, well, these are the guys I don't have. The guys I do have are probably a lot of targets that people are going to bring into their teams in the coming weeks as they start preparing for the buys and things like that. So, you know, to me, that's where like, I'm trying to work out, well, what's my, what's my angle here to give myself a little bit more of a competitive edge. So, yeah, like I said, I probably still can push a little harder with my trades while others are probably easing off on the trades cause they've got a strong 17 and they need to bank the trades to bring in a lot of the buy coverage guys. Uh, whereas, you know, like I said, I've got a fair whack of them already. So you know, am I am I better off looking at do I get Penhas, for example, or do I need to get Jacob Caraz? Or do I need to catch up and, and get those guys? Or yeah, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like that's I think where yeah. I need to work that plan out so that I can really map out what I'm doing, not just this week and next week, but building forward of you know, until round thirteen or whatever.
0: Yeah. As you say, the season is a little longer this year. So the fact that you're you're set up for the long game, I think maybe obviously not telling you how to run your team, but, it, but just hearing you speak that out, it sounds like, and I'm sure there's some people listening that are set up in a similar way, is just wait it out, right? Don't try and climb up 15,000 rankings in two weeks. Trust that that by the end of the buy, so by round, say, 21, you'll be somewhere in a chance where you can push to the top 1,000 or wherever you are. Yeah, you, having eight guns, or not guns, but eight keepers for round 13 is a good start, right? You've got, two months to, to get another five, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't class everyone as a keeper. For example, like, Jackson Ford is one of the guys there. So, like, that's not a keeper level, but he's not just like a, for example, like a Ben murdoch Masilla, or someone like that who's, I'm, I'm counting on for all of, like, 15 points in round 13. So, like, even like Isaiah Katoa, you know, there's a chance he may leave my team before round 13 because you only want your best 13, right? So those are the types of things that I'm trying to weigh up. But... Like I said, Garrick, Lumulu, I'm pretty happy to have. He'll be playing round 13 for me. You know, there's a whole heap of names like that that I'm pretty comfortable rolling out and that they, you know, I'd back them to be in my best 13 if I had more than 13 for that round. So that's kind of the way I'm I'm looking at it at this stage. But, you know, I think what you're saying is, yeah, don't overreact. Try Chase hard, for example. You know, I've had I looked at some people looking at getting rid of Joey Tarpanet. Uh, to to get paid Haas because they're sick of Haas obviously blitzing it like I think that would be a mistake right and yeah for, for that's obviously just one example like I saw some people talking about trading out Uh, you know again Val Holmes to, to Ruben Garrick like I, I just don't get that trade no. sure that'll help later when you know Val's not going to play around 13 because he'll be off playing Origin but like it just seems very sideways right and you're better off just sticking holding firm with Val as you you know as we both think he's going to go much better this week and yeah there, there's going to be people people like me who will bring him in this week for example yeah so
0: yeah I think Val's a definite hold right I agree with you there if you look at his run into it he probably you got to sell him before round 13 but if you look at his next his games leading into round 13 it's the Dolphins the Warriors and then Newcastle so three outstanding games Then he's got the Sharks and the Roosters. Yeah, okay, might be tough. But then in 11 and 12, he goes St. George and then a team that's called the West Tigers, I think. I don't know if they play in the league, but (laughs) like that's five out of seven where you'd love to have Val in your team. So just hold, you might get a couple of price rises, get back to somewhere where he started and and then you can go crazy on Garrick or someone.
1: I think one thing to be, I'll pull you up on this. I mean, you you threw the Warriors in an easy matchup just then? Mad disrespect on the second place team on the ladder right now, and still one of the best defensive sides. So no, I, I can't get on board with that. I, we need to change our thinking because right now, the twenty twenty three Warriors are one of the top four defensive teams. So I think we've got to you know shift our thinking in there. Maybe they won't stay like that all season, and if that's the case, we'll we'll stay water and and adjust. But yeah, for now. Like, I, I get it, right? Because you're looking at it, you're like, Warriors, Warriors. They've been per- perennially an easy matchup, but it's just, it's 2023.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair point, fair point.
1: All right. Moving on to the next kind of pondering question here. Like, you know, as we work out our trades, obviously we're working out how to improve our team. So, you know, we ask this every year, but how, in 2023, how should we be approaching our four reserves each week? You know, in seasons past, it was very easy. You wanted two-gun fullbacks, two-gun 5.8s, two-gun halfbacks, and maybe a reserve or an extra center wing. How do we feel 2023 is shaping up at this stage? Is it more of a, you still chasing the upside every week with those guys, or do you think it's less clear-cut?
0: Probably less clear-cut to get four of them, and and the buys throw in an additional spanner this week, for example. But I think it's clear that everybody would... Have four fullbacks if they could. So, so if you're you're trying to go cheap or make money in the fullback, I'd probably suggest have a second look. And it's been horribly disappointing not owning Nathan or or Nico in the last two rounds. So probably get yourself them two. Five eight's been a bit of a wasteland. So you can probably survive to keep maybe a cheaper there. I don't know. You've still got Katara in, Wolf, I believe, in your team.
1: Yeah, right now I've got Dylan Brown and Katoa there, so yeah, it's it's doable. But I think Cam Munster's been all right. Like he's not he's not hit the hundred plus yet, so that's probably why we feel it's a bit of a wasteland. But yeah, overall, he's still like I think he's averaging north of seventy or thereabouts. So he can't be too upset about that. But I I agree with you there. Like you know, it's not something that you would be targeting to have two gun fullbacks. Uh, sorry, two gun five eights at this stage because who are the guns, right? Certainly not Dewey, I can
0: tell you that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, but look, to be fair, that was due to injury, and largely that's obviously crueled his output. Plus, obviously, yeah, I don't think anyone expected the Tigers to be quite this bad and this much of a shambles this early in the season, right? No, no, he's got
0: the six back this week. Um, another week after the, the turf toe probably has to settled a little bit. Uh, I'm holding stick and solid with with Dewey, but yeah, it can only get better, right? It can only get better.
1: So. <laughs> I think you mentioned something before with the buyers, like it might actually be valid to actually chase a little bit more depth in the second row. I'm feeling that that might be one of the plays this year, and it's not because like I, I think right now your fourth your fourth reserve generally should be, I think a second rower or a center wing if they've got a good matchup, right? But with the buys and stuff like that, it's very easy to, you know, let's just say the center wing that you happen to have doesn't have a good matchup when you need some depth to have the extra reserve because, you know, one of your gun center wings is on buy, for example. So I kind of think having a, a fourth or even a fifth second rower just playable, you know, maybe your fifth guy is like a, a Jackson Ford or whatever, and anytime you need coverage for a buy player or whatever, then... You know, he's a very serviceable score for your 17. So I kind of feel that that's not a bad build at this stage where we've got your Harry Grant there. You've got maybe one or two uh, gun front row forwards. And then I I know a lot of people still going pretty light on there and that's fine, but I I do feel that's going to be tough sooner rather than later. So might be an area to bolster a little bit. Then plenty of depth in the second row because there's so many different options, right? So I think that's uh, one thing. You're going to want the two gun halfbacks sooner rather than later. So hopefully by end of round seven, majority of us will be running out of Cleary and Nico. Then you'll have one gun 5.8 and probably still like a Katoa or a cheapie still making cash, right? A Schuster maybe. Then it's just two gun fullbacks and then load it, mixing it up at center wing, right? So this is where I was saying in the other episode, maybe jumping off someone like an Alamotti who probably still has 50 to 100k to make. Jumping off him early might not be a bad strategy because then you're not, you know, you don't have your Warwick, Elamodi, Camperera as your fifth to seventh center wing, locking that in and keeping you that you don't really have much option. Like it allows you to have an extra spot to really start having an, an extra point of difference there in your center wing position. So yeah,
0: I like the shout on the, the second row it's just to sorry harp on that a little longer. I think all five rounds without knowing exactly, but I'm pretty sure I've played five second rowers each round and they've been, haven't lit the world on five, but it's definitely been, been safer than Karnpierre four and Will Warbrick's 14. It's interesting you say about Alamotti, because if you've got four center wings and then your, your three reserves are Alamotti, Karnpierre and, and Warbrick, they'll be, Four rounds, or, or say four different teams, three by rounds each team. That, that's twelve rounds where you're gonna to have to run out one of those three at a bare minimum, without putting a reserve anywhere else. So it, it's not a bad shout getting off Almadi.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's obviously team specific, but I, I think you know a lot of people have Karaz and Alamotti's going along fine. But eventually, you know, you can put that coin to to have an extra point of difference there rather than being one of those teams that are locked into having to play camp or a war break every time there's a there's a buy or whatever that weakens you 17 elsewhere so yeah uh, i think sometimes just working through that can again identify some opportunities for us to target in terms of points of difference or yeah just ways to try and get ahead potentially now we've obviously talked about plenty of players and part of the issues is obviously is when we need cash you know who who are we downgrading <laughs> who will be trading out of our team seeking to downgrade to free up the cash to get Cleary, Hines, Dylan Brown, all those gun players that obviously we we want to make sure we have so we don't fall behind. Now, you've um you've shared some frustrations about this week that there aren't very great options there. I mean, like you know, I did mention Josh Schuster if you didn't go early on him. This is he's he's the number 1 downgrade option, I think. Uh, available both at five eighth and also at second row, so very flexible and handy there. But let's say you went early. What other names can we throw at the, to, to help some of the listeners? Yeah,
0: good luck. I'm just going <laughs> through the um, the top trade ins this week, and the first five there is no one under. Five hundred or oh, four hundred and fifty thousand is Zach Hosking. So normally there's someone cheap people are bringing in, right? There, there's just no one this week. The the highest brought in cheapie is Jack Johns in the second, and he's only two RF. Um, obviously starting this week, but Kurt Mann you'd expect back. Um, Adam Elliott can't be too far away.
1: Well, Man's on the bench, so there's every chance there's a late swap, and Johns goes back to the bench. But look, Johns, you know, negative thirty six break even. He is slightly above bottom dollar. But I think the main thing is, as you pointed out, like Kurt Mann's back to take minutes, even with the 90-minute game. He only played 40 minutes last week. So he obviously cashed in on some attacking stats, but it's not great, basically. So, you know, look, if if you're just desperate for a downgrade to find someone, like he can do a job for a couple of weeks, but you're going to then need to trade him out, right? Or he'll potentially keep plotting away, dropping 30s or, or less, on, on your team, which is not the end of a world, but like I said, it's just you know you're eventually going to need to get rid of him, and that's another trade that you'll use there. So it's yeah, like I think in 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 a bad bunch, he's not bad because he's got that nice negative break even, but just be realistic, he may need to leave your team. I think that's the same thing about Isaac, right? For Malawi, he's uh, in that mix there for you know, he's a bottom dollar downgrade that's got a negative break even. It's only negative three, but He may not be around or he he may end up getting pretty small minutes sooner rather than later there. Now, uh, I think we did mention Jackson Ford potentially could be a downgrade option still he's three forty thousand and he's got the negative 10 break even. And, you know, he's got a really safe role. So for for me, I think he's not only a downgrade, but then he becomes a very usable option Mm -hmm. in your team, not necessarily weekly, but you know, when there's some buy rounds. Like, he's definitely in contention to be plugged in to your 17. So he's, uh, if you didn't jump on already, then he's uh, definitely an option there. But outside of that, it's getting pretty tough, right, for this week.
0: Yeah, well, look, I, I'm one of the people in the downgrade downgrade chasing position. Um, I, I don't have Schuster, but I don't want to drop either of my 5.8s, my and I don't want to drop any of my two RFs. So I'm going to have to pass on Schuster. I think the, the only place I want to downgrade is in the front row. Um, I sort of, I had three very good playable options there. And I just felt that, well, it's interesting talking about how we build out our four reserves. I think it was wasted personally having a four hundred five dollars 500000 player on the bench in my front row forward, putting having to feel like I had to put a reserve on him and, and plotted me to a 55. So Tom Gilbert, has got to go after a two week bad experiment, and um, yeah, it's it's looks to me like it's Lindsay Smith or or Baby Tino, sorry Isaac Fasua Malawi. <laughs> That's as, right. <laughs> we will go? Um, and yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Lindsay. If JFH is out for four to six weeks, we'll we'll ride that train.
1: I mean, did we get confirmation that he's actually out for that long? I still don't think the Panthers have come out with anything, have they?
0: Oh, I don't, look! I honestly can't remember where I heard it, or maybe maybe I just dreamt it last night when I was thinking about Lindsey Smith. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll hope so. Although you did mention that he's a seem, seemingly a recovery masterclass in, when it comes to JFH, so he could be. They could say four to six, and he'll be back next week.
1: Yep, he's uh, definitely got that record of being a re- very quick healer. I mean, if you got really desperate, would you go early on someone like a Hayes Dunster? Centre wing only, 234,000. Seemingly, like I think last year, right, before he got hurt, he was locked in to that left wing spot while Sivo was out. And in the end, you know, he got hurt and then Sean Russell was there and then he got hurt and then Sean Russell's playing centre this this week. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is it even an option to think about?
0: I don't think it's a bad one because, well, S- Simmonson is, is obviously suspended but hasn't been lighting the world on fire. And maybe I'm, I'm off here. Wonga Black, he's just been
1: dropped, hasn't he? Yeah, he's in the 22 or something. like. He's in the extended squad. so
0: Yeah, maybe he should go and play in the front row for the Bulldogs because he, he's not a centre. But, um, yeah, look, a good run, a downgrade centre wing hey, is, is not a bad shout. Alamotti down to him probably generates you, what's that, 150K maybe?
1: I think more than that, almost 170, I reckon.
0: Yeah, Alamondi's 400, isn't he?
1: Yep. Yeah, look, that's, that's one way to get fifty Didn't look at that. And look, getting a little bit more left field here, and it's not uh, not necessarily going to be a cash cow, but Jacob Host playing his third game, 295,900. It's breaking even 36, but he's starting this week. Whereas, oh, and, and sorry, he started last week as well, but... Yeah, it's, he's still building up the minutes, only 28 and 40 so far, but it seems like the plan is that he's eventually going to play 80, you'd expect, judging by the way the bunnies tend to use it. So obviously it's a bit of risk there because if he doesn't or he's always going to be in a 40, 50, 60 minutes, then he's not going to do very much for you. But you know, when you're desperate and you need a downgrade and you need someone who's potentially playable, like 295, 900 for a starting Edge back roll for the bunnies, moving into a pretty easy part of the season. I could, you know, there's there's worse suggestions out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is, there is. That's a, a good pick up, I suppose. Um, maybe you're looking at bunny's second rollers now that Cheekam's got the flick. A eh, will.
1: Ouch! Why do you have to do this to me? No. <laughs> Look, Cheekam did his dash, made his cash for me. He's gone up like 160k, so I can't be too upset about that for for what I started with him with. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, I think that's probably about as much as we can get in terms of um, downgrade options for this week. I do think, yeah, Dunster to keep an eye on him. Jared Croker, if he's sticking around for a bit, I mean, he's not going to light the world on fire, but he's under 280K and he's a goal-kicking center. I mean, I'm assuming he'll just take back the goal-kicking from Fogarty. So, you know, he, he wants to set those points scoring records as he does. Yeah, look, if you're sticking around, there's best there's there's worse options, I reckon. But just keep an eye on those. I wouldn't go early on them if you could avoid it. But you know, in coming weeks we're also going to need to downgrade others for sure. One last question. This is very specific, but it did come through the champs Discord. But would you trade Jermaine Hopgood to Zach Hosking this week?
0: I would not trade Jermaine Hopgood to anyone this week. Um little one Zach Hosking, but uh, yeah, look, you don't have to go super early on the Hopgood trade. He, he's got to be a forty-three. I think as long as he plays forty-three minutes, he's probably going to get that. So,
1: and if he doesn't, he's not. You know, he'll 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 probably pump out a thirty-plus anyway, regardless. So, I don't think even if he misses his break, even he's not dropping bold cash. So, it's worth it for to see what Hopgood's role is. If he comes out and still plays fifty-five, sixty minutes, you're going to kick yourself because he's going to be a very usable part of your team and he's going to be great for buy coverage, barring him suddenly being picked for Origin, which I just can't see it happening, honestly. Like, he's he's great, don't get me wrong. He'll probably be around the development squad and whatever, but if the the Maroons are going to be full health, like, they get they get Welsh back now and, you know, they're, they're going to stick with the likes of your Josh Papali's and your Felice Cafusi's, Kurt Capewell. They'll still be around for another year at least. Maybe not next year, but then you've got Carrigan Cotter, Lindsay Collins having a great season. Like these are all names I could see getting a call up before Hopgood does. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it is it is a Queenslanders, right? We we will show some form of loyalty to our our uh, incumbents. You we know, don't play in a blue jersey, but like yeah, surely Jermaine Hopgood and, and Madison he's only one injury away maybe from from going straight back to to a big minute player. Yep. And, and even in saying that, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that he does. He's not Ben Murdoch, Silla, right? He's not going to just float while he's out there. If even if he's given forty-five to fifty minutes, he is going to go hard.
1: Yeah. And look, if if he does only get forty-five minutes or whatever, then you can probably reason and say, well, look, he's not going to be delivering value in his price, and then you can move on with you know, relative ease. But if he still comes out hitting that fifty-five minute mark, just like Madison did last year, all season pretty much off the bench. Then yeah, I, I still see him scoring very well at that rate. So uh, for me, it's it's more hanging on to Hopgood rather than not wanting to get on Hosking. So yeah, uh, I'd suggest find a different find a different option. Is probably the main thing there because you're not even freeing that much up. You're like it's like 90k, 90k from going Hopgood to Hosking. Uh, I just don't think that's really worth it.
0: And Hopgood's job, job security is probably a lot better than Hoskins. As much as he's come out and killed it, um, they did show a tendency to go with Luke Garner and Liam Martin first. So, yeah, you really kick yourself if in two weeks' time Hoskins wearing jersey sixteen and, and Hopgood's back to thirteen, and Maddox coming off the bench, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, exactly, and and that is definitely within the range of outcomes for both players right now. So, yeah, uh, I think I'm with you on that one too. All right, look, I think that's plenty of strategy chat for another week, Uh, plenty to ponder for myself and no doubt you'll have to revisit some of your trade plans potentially as well. Uh, I mean, do you have any idea of what you're looking at doing?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty set and unfortunately, as I said last week, I brought in Nico over Nathan and I still can't quite fathom why because now I've got to get Nathan in this week because Nico's not there and Pizet's. um, playing New South Wales Cup, so it's it's um Pezet to Cleary, and to get that cash, I've had to go Tom Gilbert down to um most likely Lindsay Smith. So not pretty trades, not proud of them, but it, it's sort of more like had
1: to happen type trades. Because you again, we're saying you need to get Cleary right. So yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, have you, you locked yourself into yours yet, or thrown a few ideas around?
1: Yeah, look, I'm I'm getting there. I think, and this is uh, we probably didn't even really consider this, but I am considering boosting again, and that's because I'm so far back. So, I know it's not ideal. I, I want to save. I wanted to save them for the buys, but I'm not really thinking I can. But I am going to bring in Hosking. Dury is going to go out. I'm going to trade Sam Walker out to Shuster. I just don't think Walker's going to hit his break even against the Storm. Uh, and then, so I am thinking of boosting it and it'll be hammer up for someone. And if it potentially, like I could go to Val Holmes, I could go to Payne Haas, like there's a, a few names there that I think I can get. And then it just allows me to, yeah, to bolster my team a little bit while still keeping my buy planning intact. Because, you know, like like I was saying, I don't want to touch Tarpane and Torhu and all those other guys who have already come into my team for round 13 coverage. As well, but obviously I also need to make sure I don't touch the Nico cash there. And but I've worked it out. So if I keep this team here, and then I've got just enough cash still to potentially go Hopgood out to Nico in one trade next week, if I had to. And obviously that's very dependent on what happens with Hopgood. Potentially I could even do that for uh, Christian Welsh, depending. Again, it very very depends on. Yeah, I'll probably need a second trade to do that one, but I won't need to boost to get Nico, and that's probably important as well. So, haven't fully decided, but that's kind of where I'm at to, at the moment. But yeah, really hoping to strengthen the team a little bit more, while still obviously keeping my my uh, buy planning intact. Yeah, they sound good, and
0: I think that like sometimes you can you can throw a boost in, and the third trade is just another third trade. It doesn't look a lot better, but that third trade really makes your your three trades look a lot better, doesn't it? Like the, the two trades are good, but if you can get that third one in, um, it does. Make yeah. It look better. <laughs>
1: yeah anytime you can get like one or the the best one or two in in the position is always going to be helpful for that third trade there so all right matt thanks for jumping on again we'll no doubt chat again soon so thanks everyone for listening uh we will hopefully be back tomorrow with the late mail edition and uh yeah we'll catch you again on the flip side
0: thanks man